Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with Steve Lynn Robot on the Cycling Independent, Episode 4, The Best Places a Bike Has Taken You. And we have to offer up a content warning. Uh, we're obligated to tell you that before we start, the podcast contemplates both mature and immature themes. You might not like all of the words we use or the ideas we bring up. If you're sensitive about these things, maybe this isn't the podcast for you. It's Okay. You're still all right in our eyes. So what do we got today, Robot? <laughs> well, today we're talking about the best places a bike has taken you, which is a stealthy way of not talking about bikes, but actually just talking about, um, I mean, because I think you and I probably mostly went places by bikes for the last 50 years, roughly. Yeah. So this is, you know, let's just talk about the good times. I am caffeinated Either. as fuck right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <clears throat> same. I, I actually drank so much coffee the other day that I, I drank myself all the way around the dial from sleepy back to sleepy. Oh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like I kind of like peaked and then it was time for a nap again. Yeah. And I, I think I might be closing in on... Um, I might be closing in on sleepy again. Yeah. I got up early uh, and, but, and rode bikes. I, I drank coffee. I pounded coffee before I left. And then we had coffee after the ride. And then I came home and I was tired. So I drank more coffee. And I, I do. I feel like I just went from jittery into like adrenal failure. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a real thing. I have run into a thing the last... I don't know. It started. It started when I was uh, when I was a uh, messaging. I got. I started getting really lightheaded mm. when I would when I would increase my heart rate, and I thought it was a low blood sugar thing. And ultimately, many years later, I got my uh, glucose levels checked, and it would be almost kind of like tunnel vision. It would happen sporadically. And I just thought that I needed to eat an apple or something. And as it turns out, and this has happened now three times, um, I succumbed to um, a, 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 a seizure, basically. But it's not um, it's not uh, convulsions. It's just it's basically I I black out. What's what's the and cause of that? Uh, I don't know. I think that I don't, I tend to not breathe deeply enough. So it's a combination of stress and shallow breathing. So I'm breathing my own carbon dioxide, whatever I'm expelling, I'm breathing that back in and it creates a seizure response in my brain. That's super interesting that I was the guy, I was on a ride this morning and one of the guys said that he was at the emergency room with one of his kids Yesterday or the day before, they he the kid had been at swim lessons or something, and got out of the pool and said he felt bad, and then he sat down and then passed out, and his mom 
took him, I don't know, out of the pool or whatever. And then he had like a seizure. So they took him to the ER. Mm. And what they said in the ER was he's growing so fast that he can't get enough oxygen to his brain. And swimming just exacerbates that. And so Mm -hmm. it's just like oxygen deprivation issue. Yeah, I, I think that's what I think that's what I experienced. The first time it happened, I had uh, I had gone on a mountain bike ride and um I had uh I was riding up this trail and I see a guy laying over on the side of the trail. I've written this story down. I've told this story a bunch of times, but um I just immediately assumed he had wandered away from a party <laughs> the night before and fallen asleep in the woods and I was like, "Oh, yeah, totally been there." And I walked over to him. <laughs> And his his face was bloody, and and so my second thought was that he had been beat up, and dumped maybe. And then I noticed there was a gun under his leg, and it turned out that this man had gone up there and committed suicide just before I'd arrived on the scene. And um, so I went and found a payphone and called uh, emergency personnel, and they came and questioned us, detectives and fire trucks and ambulances and the whole thing. And uh, the next day I woke up and was going to go on a mountain bike ride again, but felt really, really tired. Um, and on my way home, I was basically like falling asleep as I was riding. Like I just, I couldn't do the ride. I was just going to go home and sleep it off. And as soon as I got to my house, I pulled my key out. And, and then the next thing I knew I was in an ambulance. And that's happened to me twice now. Well, twice and then once, um, uh, uh, where was I going with that? Once just at it, like just out of the blue, out of just randomly. So it's part Um, of a stress response. Uh, yeah, I think so. It's stress as near as I can tell it's stress coupled with caffeine coupled with dehydration. Um, it's a pretty easy thing to fix i just i'm not very good about it i'm getting better about were it. were you huffing kerosene at any point in those experiences <laughs> no after the first one i did the night before uh the first one i you know i think i'd not eaten a very good dinner and probably i hadn't slept enough yeah you know i mean it's just it's just one of those it's just one of those random things as a is a it's a bummer though, you know, and kind of learning about your own biology and physiology. And certainly now if I go on a ride, uh, and it, I start to get a little bit lightheaded, I have to stop, you know, and just kind of collect myself and my lungs are good. <clears throat> I've broken enough ribs and had enough chest x-rays to know that my lungs are, are big and strong. I just need to remember to utilize them better. Yeah. Yeah, I did meet a guy, though. Uh, Sorry, this guy who was like part of a national study on epilepsy um, after my first episode. And he told me that he he, his episodes came in the form of really intense deja vus. Hmm. And he said he was skating. He was at a ramp and he started to get one. And the next thing he knew was 10 hours later and he crashed his car and he'd walked home from the accident and like blacked out through the entire thing. So um, epileptic episodes or seizure episodes come in all form. 
it's yeah you know i, I had no idea that's terrifying that's terrible. I, I mean, that describes the end of my drinking days, actually. Yeah. And part of the reason I, I stopped drinking was because I was losing days and weeks. Yeah. You know, waking up and yeah. feeling like, oh, what happened? It's, it's really not cool to sort of like wonder what's happened in the last <laughs> week. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't, I, you know, I'd never experienced. I grew up around alcohol, but I never experienced alcoholism until I was in my 40s. And then I saw it, you know, in a couple of friends of mine. And it was like, oh, shit, this is, you know, on one hand and I'm on one hand, I, I make light of of drinking and excessive drinking. And, you know, I have the wizard staff day and all of this stuff. But then on the other hand, I real I understand uh, entirely how profound uh disease it, it can be for some people so i'm i'm pretty torn yeah i think i i have that feeling from the other side you know like as a as an alcoholic uh and subsequently a not drinker but someone who appreciates um a lot of nonsense and chaos you yeah. know like it's hard for me to tell people, oh, like you shouldn't do that. Like, you know, people don't have my problem. And, you know, hijinks and nonsense have a, have a very high value to me anyway. I think they have a high value, um, you know, even for people who are only adjacent to the hijinks. Um, so, I, you know, I, I'm not in a position to discourage people from creating mayhem. Yeah, it's just, I, you know, I guess it's if you're doing something to a point where it's hurting you or the people around you, you Absolutely. maybe need to dial it back a little bit. And that might also be a contradictory statement coming from me. Uh, but I don't think, you know, I've I've definitely spent enough time on the wagon and I went to AA in support of a friend and heard stories and contemplated my own relationship with alcohol and my family's relationship with alcohol. And my wife has always said that I have the healthiest relationship with alcohol that she's ever known. I didn't know, I didn't grow up seeing the destructive capabilities of it. You know, like I said, it wasn't until I was an adult. So it definitely gives me pause and it definitely gives me, you know, I respect, uh, I respect anyone's, decision to imbibe or not to imbibe i just now that i see how fucking terrible it can be <laughs> it's kind of a buzzkill. yeah i feel that way i feel i you know it's not my business to tell other people how to manage alcohol in their lives that's how i feel about it and right. i try to leave it right there uh i think it's a i think it's a good shit man i mean you want the best for people exactly it's it's a it's a good non-judgy but concerned position to take anyway kind of went off the rails on that um why did we start talking about that uh places bikes have taken that's the topic of the (laughs) yours is to a recent suicide so Uh, well there was one yeah uh Let's see. It's, you know, bikes physically have taken us a, a number of places. Um, the investment in the bicycle industry has also taken us to a number of places. That's right. You know, uh, 
working uh, for Tioga. I was on the Norba circuit for in an official capacity for one year and an unofficial capacity for two years. And I got to drive, uh, you know, the entirety of the Trans-Canadian Highway. Wow. Uh, I've been all over the country and raced bikes in places that I've never even visited prior to, to racing bikes there. And so though a bicycle physically didn't take me there, certainly being around them. Meta, that's a meta, whatever, a second, secondary. Yeah. I have the same thing. You know, when I was in my first, um, my first trip in the bike industry, was out to the Bay Area and I, I rode, um, you know, all over Marin with with a variety of shops. And I thought at the time, you know, like I live in Boston, right? Like I have no, there's no, um, there's no clear path to be like, oh, go ride bikes around Marin. Um, but that mm-hmm. just happened, you know, and I remember feeling like the luckiest guy in the world on that. And, and that's been true too. Like I've ridden in Colorado and I've ridden, um, I've ridden in so many places where where people in the industry were generous enough to sort of like take me and show me what was the best about where they live. Right. Yeah. That's pretty killer. Um, but for me, you know, chronologically, I would say like the the first best place I ever went was the woods. Right. I was like a little kid whose whose borders were, you know, Oh my God, I'm living in a construction site. If listeners at home are like, what's happening? Um, I don't know. They're. (laughs) (laughs) You got to cut us. You got to cut us some slack. This is definitely a work in progress. And there's uh, the fact that we don't have soundproof booths to record this. Yeah, my underground bunker, I started digging, but it's not done yet. So anyway, so yeah, chronologically, like, you know, when I was a kid, you know, the, the, the borders of your world are kind of like the edge of the yard. And then I learned to ride bikes and suddenly I'm in, I'm in the woods, you know, and that feels like, Jesus, what, this is magic, right? Like this is shit out of kids' storybooks. And now I'm in the woods. So that was great. And then as I got a little older, like I, my mom did this, um, sneaky thing where she put me in school a year early. So I was basically a year younger than everyone in my class or grade or whatever. And so I was like, that's where all your problems started. Yeah, exactly. So I was, I was one of the last to get a driver's license. Um, and so what that meant was I rode bikes to see girls and that was pretty great. That was pretty great. Rode bikes to see girls. So you would have a develop a relationship with a girl, strike a fancy for, or however you say that. Yeah. And then you'd ride across town to see her. That's exactly right. And that felt, that was pretty great. Yeah. Um, And then I think, oh, you know, actually... So in Mobile, Alabama, one of the great places to go uh, near my house was Kmart because because they had a snack bar and an arcade. So that's probably the sort of the nucleus of the social scene too. Yeah, right? exactly. So I would ride my bike to the Kmart, and uh, I don't remember whether I locked it or not. I must have. 
but I don't remember doing that. But then, you know, I could spend like two hours in the arcade at Kmart eating like nachos with the yellow cheese and playing Centipede. Uh, with the, like the Centipede or Tron or whatever that has the cigarette burns all over the console. Yeah, that's the one. I, uh, I was jealous of the notion of getting to ride a bike in a, in a semi-urban environment. You know, like you get on your bike and you ride to the place and hang out with your friends right. because I grew up, you know, we discussed this last week, I think. I grew up in a pretty rural part of Colorado. So that would have been, you know, a three or four mile journey with a, with a really long climb home which I'd, you know, done a couple times on a BMX bike and it was rough. <laughs> right. uh, and so uh, I never got the opportunity to, you know, I'd get dropped off somewhere. So I never got the opportunity to really have that experience, like ride your bike to the place, ride your bike to the movie theater with your friends and ride your bike to the, you know, it had to be a thing where you had to put your bike in a car and you get dropped off and you pedal around the schoolyard or you, whatever yeah. but nothing was in very close proximity to anything else it was definitely sketchy um, in mobile alabama there was because there were not sidewalks and the roads yeah. were fast you know like for a kid it was definitely you know you would find the the one guy who lived kind of behind the loading dock of the shopping center and you kind of cut through the yard and like go through a hole in the fence and come out behind the dumpster. That was really the way, but whatever, like I was into that. That's sort of contemporary routing anymore. If you think about how you, how you, uh, traverse an area, it's, there's the, there's the ways route or the Google maps route. And then there's the bike route. And I've fallen into, you know, somebody says, how do you get to this place? And it's like, Oh shit. I don't actually know. Like, I don't know any of the names of the streets and I know that you have to go through the parking lot and you have to cut through old man Carruthers backyard. And then exactly, you know, kind of like the beginning, the opening sequence in the movie rad where crew Jones is, except it's not as exciting, but it's just, it's the, you know, the fastest route from point A is to point B is a straight line. So you basically are making all of these shortcuts or making your own shortcuts. And it's kind of a, it's kind of a fun way to learn to navigate your environment. I think Ian McKay at one point was talking about, he was talking about skateboarding and uh, I wish I could remember the exact, the exact phrasing he used, but he said, you know, it's, it's basically kids learning to reinvent their own environment and or reapply reimagine their own environment and i always kind of felt like at least bike riding within a within a not even a residential environment but you learn how to get to the hills you learn how to get through the hills you learn shortcuts you learn spots to take a nap you learn you know spot for in my case i still have a bunch of beer hidden all over the (laughs) oakland hills uh, and it's just kind of like you, you find a way to make it yours, which is, I think, really kind of beautiful. Yeah. I was saying um, to Patrick on the Paceline podcast a few weeks ago, like I live six miles from downtown Boston and, you know, the, um, the life 
is contiguous from here to there, right? There's no gaps of like forest and whatever, like whatever. It's all just sprawling roads, neighborhoods, whatever. And so what really attracted me to like what became gravel riding was that it is exactly that. It's there are little patches of woods and trail kind of in every direction, but none of them are very big and they're connected in weird ways. Um, and the, yeah. the what I've discovered is that if you're scouting for new ways to get places, you should just draw a line between um, elementary and middle schools because what happens is the kids, um, especially the kids that live near the school, they make trails. Even if yeah. they're not riding, they're just like, oh, I'm not going to walk around the thing to get to my house. I'm going to walk directly through. Yeah. And it reminded when I first started riding this way, it reminded me so much of when I was a kid because it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to cut through this guy's yard and then we're going to come out behind the dumpster and we're going to go over there. And it's at the back of the baseball field. And I, that that to me is like it's almost all I need. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's my sister went to Cal Berkeley and uh, she was a few years older than me. And she told me a story about these classmates of hers that would make it a challenge to uh, make it from one side of campus to the other without ever touching the ground. <laughs> so they would be, you know, whatever trees or park benches or buildings or, or, or book depositories or whatever. And I, the idea of that always kind of um, resonated with me. And then in the years since I've tried to figure out how can I get from how can I get from one side of town to the other without being without ever being on pavement? Yeah. And uh, I did a ride years ago. I did a ride from um, my home in Oakland to the Berkeley campus. And I tried to figure out how to and it, even if it was even if it was game trails or walking with my bike through bushes <laughs> or whatever like how can i how can i spend the least amount of time on pavement and th and that was kind of a i don't know it's just a fun challenge even if you're even if you're uh running errands or whatever yeah. if you you know obviously not if you're in downtown manhattan or something you're gonna have a an impossible time doing that but i think it's a fun concept yeah i was on a ride uh it was a what three weeks ago and we were you know going down the main Massachusetts Avenue, Mass Ave, which is cuts through Boston and Cambridge and the town I live in and everywhere else. But so we were on it and one of the guys on the ride said, oh, I got a new way to get over to the trails. So I was like, I, I doubt that he has a new way because, you know, like we've been over this place with a fine tooth comb and he turns right down someone's driveway and uh, so we ride into the back and it's it's a triple decker house. Right. So like the back of the house is like a little parking lot. And then uh, I'm like, OK, we're in these people's yard. And then we go. There's a little gap in the fence at the back of the yard. And there's maybe um, I don't know, it's probably a fifth, 10 yards, maybe 10 yards of dirt going down a hill into the back of like a gym parking lot. And the gym parking lot then adjoins the trails. <laughs> and so, yeah, that. so he was like, oh, yeah, 
I got these 10 yards of trail for us here. And then we don't have to go around the block to get to the thing. And I was like, yeah, yeah, this, yes, that's right. I think people spend a lot of time sort of focusing on, on the epicness of rides, you know, certainly magazines promote these ideas of wide open spaces Mm. and endless ribbons of pavement. And, um, you know, I think there's something I really like the idea of, of sort of urban trail development too. You know, you can, I, I like the idea of living in a, in a big city, uh, and then jumping on and having access to, to dirt right there. I think Richmond, Virginia has a pretty extensive trail network. I've not ridden that, uh, high bridge park in New York, not ridden that, uh, Minneapolis has the Earth. They have Minneapolis is amazing. Yeah. Like for a for a huge metropolitan city, they have some of the most fun mountain bike trails I've I've ridden on, you know. And so it can. I think the two can coexist. But uh, I just think I like I really like the concept. Really like the concept. Yeah, I do too. I think it's my favorite kind of riding. Like I love to go mountain biking. I love to go to like a big tract of forest and trail and spend the day like that's great whatever it's really enjoyable but in terms of like what resonates with me at a root level it's that kind of like oh we're gonna do that 10 yards of trail there and then we're gonna cut through and there's a bike path but then that goes up and you take a right off the bike path and then you know you're in this thing over here and that's what i really like and i i also really like riding through people's backyards i really like (laughs) Just this, you gotta be, you gotta be kind of picky about whose backyard you ride through. Sometimes, though, you don't want to wind up on somebody's grow operation or meth lab or yeah. In Metro Boston, you know, uh, the risks on that stuff so is pretty that. low. But we were <laughs> like, even this morning, we were in some people's backyards, and and someone made a comment about, I bet these people hate us being in their backyard, and I thought, yeah, I bet they do, <laughs> but I'm into it. <laughs> it's better to ask uh, forgiveness than. Beg forgiveness and ask permission. And that how the saying goes. I just goes. like to remind people that when they buy a piece of property, um, you know, there's no, there's not a bubble over it. <laughs> I can, I can point. enter your I, bubble. I think somebody, <laughs> somebody who's bought a bubble yeah. might argue to the contrary. I guess so. so let's talk about, I, this is something I was thinking about. We, we talk about uh, vacant lots and where we've ridden locally. Uh, I've never had the, opportunity to do proper riding either in this capacity or any capacity anywhere but the continental united states mm. uh and north north america so we will include our friends to the north in that as well have you ever had the opportunity to kind of spread your wings and go anywhere else I, with the i bike? have i <clears throat> i'm so my family is welsh uh so most of my family um on my dad's side and it's a very big family lives in wales and so you know i i go there fairly frequently and it's it's a fucking magical place to ride bikes so i've done that and that's great it looks beautiful the i mean everything it's like uh you know it's it's like it looks like uh every landscape is a puzzle. You yeah. Know? It's like middle earth there. 
Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was thinking and about. And speaking of like linking things, like every village in Wales has trails that go out of it to another village. So like the riding is just endless. Like they have a really good um they have like a national mountain bike organization that actually operates mountain bike centers um which are are like um designed trail systems. And those are super fun. But just just you could just ride anywhere there and it's and it's fantastic. So I've been able to do that and that's great. And I will, you know, if you if I could snap my fingers and go ride anywhere, it would be there immediately. And then I have I've spent a fair amount of time in Mexico and I've done a little bit of riding down there. Um and that's also pretty great. Copper Canyon, I've seen there's stuff in the Copper Canyon. There's stuff on the coasts, mm-hmm. like actual mountain bike. Uh, w- w- I don't know what you'd call it—a retreat, a mountain bike um, uh, resort. Yeah, or something. I have not done or that. Maybe that's maybe that's in Baja. I've not done that, but I bet, it's, I bet it's fantastic. I mean, you know, like there's a lot of this is another thing about cycling culture and industry. There's a lot of like fetishization of you know, the Alps and the Dolomites and Colorado and Utah and certain parts of California, et cetera, et cetera. And those places are all great, like no question. But I think, I think it's, I think there's great riding everywhere. Mm. Yeah. Except um, Mount Snow, Vermont. (laughs) I mean, the riding's great, but it is, it is uh, among the hardest Riding I've ever I have done. Ridden there like also. if you like a f- face full of black flies, <laughs> and then you like getting the shit beat out of you on the climbs and the flats and the descents, <laughs> then Mount Mount Snow is for you. Yeah, I've had that. But in another place, like every every vista looks like is you know is more beautiful than the last. So that makes up for it. I think so. Uh, Vermont is Vermont riding. And I've, I've spent a lot of time. I do spend a lot of time in Vermont, but it, it is brutal. It's, it's, um, it is prehistoric in a lot of ways. <laughs> well, this is a, this is a thing that I always talk about with, uh, Patrick, cause he's always riding at, at places that are like cared for, that are designed and cared for. And most of the riding there, we have a little bit of that in New England, but most of the riding is like, oh yeah, the the ice age was yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> that that's in my limited experience riding there. That's pretty much what what I saw. Yeah, it, you know, you you think I I no, not so much anymore. I've come to terms with the fact that I'm not a phys, the physical phenom that I sort of imagined myself to be, but. I would get to a point. Uh, I would get to a point where I would think, you know, like I'm a pretty adept mountain bike rider. I'm pretty good at this. I, get, I think I got a handle on this. And then I would ride in a place like Flagstaff back years ago, and then I would get my ass handed to me, and I'd say, okay, well, maybe I'm not such a <laughs> maybe I'm not such a good bike rider. And you know, and then I get I get uh, I get kind of tuned up there, and, <clears throat> and then I get my feet under me, and I think like I'm a pretty good bike rider. And then I'd go to Vermont and again would get my ass handed to me and then it would start the cycle all over again so at this stage and now you know i live in bellingham and i'm surrounded by amazing riding and i'm surrounded by amazing riders and again i'm like fuck i don't think i'm very good at this at all even you know the bar is set so high or maybe it's just that i'm constantly surrounded by people who are 
really talented on their bikes and in environments that suit that suit uh those levels of ability and then i'm just constantly like jail average yeah forever here's the good news being joe average is still really fun you know i had a conversation with my dad it's not necessarily it doesn't necessarily apply but uh, at one point i think he had just turned 80 when we had this conversation and he's like I don't know any 80 year olds, you know, like 80s old as shit. And I said, okay, but all things being relative, if you stack yourself up against a thousand 80 year olds, you're killing it. You know, like his eyesight's better than mine. His, he's got his wits about him. He's physically strong. And I said, I always have to remind myself of that too, because you know, at the time, I don't know. I'm not good at math. Maybe I was 45 when we had this conversation. So I guess he's, or I, whatever. Say now, if we had this conversation now, I'd say you. If, if you rounded up a thousand 50 year olds, how many people? How many of those 50 year olds can do the stuff that you do? How many 50 year olds can hit the ground repeatedly <laughs> and get back up again with little to no uh, issue? And because the 50 year olds that I hang out with are fucking gnarly, yeah. you know, yeah. like I, so I'm comparing myself to all of these people who are so much better at everything that I like to do than I right. am. But they're the tip of the spear, right? They're the, well, that's the wrong expression, but they're the, the apex of the activities that you enjoy. Yeah, I think there's I think there's definitely something to that. And, you know, actually, that reminded me the the first time I ever rode with Travis Brown. Like, you know, at the time, I thought I was kind of, a you know, I was like sort of biggish fish in a small pond. And then I rode with Travis and I realized, like, I, I really had nothing going for me. And then comparatively, you know, he would go to Europe and get <laughs> right to just to just get the shit beat out yeah. of him. So, you know, it like I was a biggish fish and then I got smaller and smaller and smaller just within, you know, 20 yards. Yeah. (laughs) Like like a a matter of seconds, everything kind of got put into perspective for me. If you want a really good perspective on this, um, I, I have kids. And so what happens when you have kids is that you go to, um, like... Uh, school concerts and, you know, little graduation ceremonies and whatever is happening at the school. And you see... Sounds terrible. It is terrible. Um, the worst <laughs> ever was in fourth grade, they have... they At the elementary school, they... they every kid takes recorder, you know, the little pipe. <laughs> and then they yeah. have a recorder concert. And that is the most evil fucking instrument it's the worst sounding thing ever. And to hear like a hundred fourth graders murdering yeah, the recorder, no. that's some Guantanamo no, even, shit. Even when they're played well, they're, it's not a very pleasant yeah, instrument exactly. to listen to. It's mur- My dad taught, taught vocal music at the elementary school I went to. So record, having a recorder, well, I can still probably at this point play hot cross buns yeah. on a recorder. I'm surprised you're not doing yes. that right now. As badly as I did in fourth grade. (laughs) That's how, that's how I, that's how I, uh, that's like my mating. (laughs) Right. 
You just go to a local cafe and play hot cross buns on the recorder and wait for... Ladies, anybody, anybody, any take... No, no takers? Shocking. But if you want to feel better about yourself as a physical specimen, uh, you should go to a school event. So I'm there... You know, oh, right. That's what we're talking about. <laughs> you know, like my eight, my kid, my youngest kid just finished eighth grade and they had like a little ceremony and we went and sat in a field with all of the parents of the eighth graders. And I was like, this is a bunch of fucking old people. Like these people look yeah. terrible. I'm not sure how they're making it to 60. <laughs> uh, I, I, okay. I was, I was I, fucking I Olympian at that thing. I, was, I see what you're saying. I did go to a wedding a bunch of years ago in, in Birmingham, Alabama, and everybody who was there was my age-ish and my date's age, you yeah. know, give or take a year or two. And the women were all super beautiful, and the dudes yeah. all just looked fucking awful. Yeah. It's like, I mean, Ted Cruz, Ted Cruz, that pile of shit. <laughs> that guy's younger than I am. Oh, So... I know. Like, that's what happens when you sell your soul, you know? So I think we, we I might, I'm no dime piece, but I, you know, I'm not, I'm not him. Right. And, uh, I think that, um, back to circling back around to bikes, <laughs> uh, it's the fountain of youth. Yeah, you know? yeah. Yeah. Everybody I know who rides bikes and skateboards, you know, maybe your joints are, your joints are kind of busted up. Well, the thing is, that's going to happen anyway. Sit in an office chair for 30 years and then tell me how your joints are. They're terrible. But I do yeah. think um, you're absolutely right. Like, be be shitty at riding a bike, but keep doing it because it is the fountain of youth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I was thinking about that when I woke up this morning. I, I have to go out and do something with my body today because I ate a ton of pizza last night. Mm. And it's that's the balance, you know, that's the pay, that's the, the payback and the payoff, I think, is that I get to go do this thing. And, and you know, sometimes it hurts or I don't want to stretch because I can't, I can't stand the sound of my back cracking and my <laughs> knees cracking and stuff. But, but then I get on a bike and I start to pedal and I start to feel kind of myself again. Yeah. And then I can go and you know, eat a ton of pizza guilt-free. Yeah. Uh, so, yes, beyond the physical places that bikes have taken us that we're talking about oh, yeah. today uh, on Revolting, it has, it has found, uh, it has allowed us to find our way to, um, uh, maybe for lack of a better term, some degree of eternal youth. Yeah, a, so a graceful middle age. Mm, <laughs> a graceful is the wrong again, word. Comparatively, yeah. yeah, we can say graceful. I, I have to end everything with ish, you know, because it's not like I can't make any specific or concrete declarations. Yeah, but I, within I had a friend tell reason. me once. He said, "He said, dude, you are like you don't drink and you." And you ride bikes, so you're skinny and rich. Because <laughs> I've got, I've got like the last thirty years of beer money still in my pocket, and I've ridden bikes. That's a, uh, so I'm. That's a good yeah. point. Uh, being being kind of like on the cusp of destitution has 
definitely allowed me to um, take a break from drinking, you know, but if it's like $12 for a 12 pack of something, I can cover that. But uh, not going out on a regular basis and, and they, you know, even COVID to a degree has given me uh, a lot of pause in terms of like, I don't eat out. I don't drink out. I just kind of stay inside and draw and take, I'm trying to take, take better care of myself than I have, yeah. you know, the 40, no, we'll say there was 25 years of gluttony and <laughs> abuse and I'm kind of pulling back the reins on that a little you bit. You only look partially worse for the wear. I mean, just to speak to I the whole fountain of youth thing. I appreciate that. I, you know, I have days where I'm like, all right, I kind of like, I feel like I kind of am keeping myself together. And then, uh, you know, and then I'll see a picture of myself and be like, oh, <laughs> I, was having a, I was having a rough go that day. Yeah. When did my forehead get so big? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, okay. So we have, uh, we've discussed uh, where it's taken us sort of physically, where it's taken us spiritually maybe maybe uh where it's taken us professionally i, I have a couple things uh, i want to call out places that it took yes. me especially when i was younger so i used to ride to see bands you know all the time all the time all the time and it was just mm -hmm. like so magic to you know ride across town and lock your bike up to a parking meter and go see a great band and you come out and you're all like pumped up from having seen this band and it's you know, whatever, one o'clock in the morning and the city is quiet and you just rage home on your bike. Like those are some of the best times. And, you know, some of those bands were, I was so lucky to get to see them and like to be able to get to see them as a, as a broke dirt bag, just rock up on your bike, um, barely have money for the door and then just go see a band that's totally legendary and then be able to ride away home again. I feel like that's sort of a, it's sort of a secret handshake, you know, like you know, you know something that everybody else doesn't know. You know, you've, you've ridden to the venue. Yeah. You don't have to worry about parking. You don't have to worry about your car getting broken that's into. Right. If you're lucky, you can lock up in front of the venue. So you're not going to, you don't have to worry about your bike getting stolen. Exactly. Um, and then you're free to go at any time. You're not, you're not waiting. They, there's, there's a, uh, a car and I'm not, I don't want to get into like, you know, car culture or, uh, Americans obsession with internal combustion or anything, because I think that, you know, cars have a, a place. I think somebody once said that um, cars make a really good screwdriver. It's just that everybody uses them as a hammer. <laughs> right. Um, but you're not, you don't, you're not uh, locked into anybody else's schedule and you're not locked into anybody else's agenda. You can come and go as you please. You ride your bike to a party. You're done with the party. You don't have to round up a bunch of friends or try to find a ride out of there or anything. There is a, there is a, um, there's a freedom and a sort of a fluidity and going to see a band and getting to you physically bring yourself there 
physically enjoy the show and then get on your bike and pedal away into the darkness is uh i can't understand how people don't want to experience that you know well, I, you're right it's fucking magic. it is fucking magic and i think part of what it is yeah there's the whole like i know about this band and you know whatever like that's that's that sort of like precious insider inside joke thing, which I love, <laughs> you know, as even as I'm denigrating it. But like you, Agreed. I would go see a band, you know, um, I don't know, like Seaweed, Quicksand, <clears throat> uh, so many bands. And then you, you come out and you're so amped. And if you have to get in a car, which is an enclosed space and try to deal with that energy or get on the train and then everyone is looking at you like, why are you sweaty? <laughs> or, you know, or a <laughs> cab. I, not that I ever took a cab those days, but just like the whole to be able to like preserve the energy and ride away with it rather than try to have to try to squelch it after a show. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and you've just had your mind expanded, right? You've just seen some music. It's been like a really visceral experience. And then to be able to kind of utilize it, like put that energy into the bike and, and feel the air on you. And it is that to me, those are some of the very best things I've ever done on a bike. That's beautiful. I feel, I, f I feel it. I feel, um, I, under I mean, I, under I understand exactly what, where you're coming from and what you're, what you're describing when you know in the mid 90s late 90s early 2000s when uh well, well sh shoot when was it i guess like whenever the sort of fixed gear boom started was that it's 2021 right now so that was maybe like mid early 2000s let's yeah. say uh and a lot more people were riding bicycles which i thought was was super cool the downside of it is that when you would go to a place like you'd go to a venue you'd go ride your bike to see a show there was never any place to lock up because everybody else had not everybody right. else but a lot of other people had learned the sort of the the secret the the magic they learned about the magic and then you were you know you, you weren't the unique special unicorn <laughs> right. snowflake you thought you were right. um but you get to you know to see other people uh, there are other people, you know, who like the would ride a bike to a venue or ride a bike to a. You're almost kind of like looking at each other across the room, like you know. <laughs> That's right. You, you know. Right. You know. I know. I know. We, we get, get it. it. Yeah. Uh, years and years and years ago, this is. Jeez, uh, I don't. I don't remember even when, but I was up in a car a friend of mine was giving me a ride and we ride by this guy on a cross bike and he is a nice cross bike and it was at a time where you didn't see i think it was a rock it was an orange rock lobster mm -hmm. and it wasn't like you saw custom bikes all over the place and this guy's riding through the dark and i kind of was like huh you know like what's this dude's story and then he pulls up to the venue as we walk up to the door right. i was gonna go see uh girls against boys oh yeah I think it was the Cruise Yourself Tour. This little place called Bottom of the Hill in San Francisco. And this guy locks up his bike. And then I see Scott McCloud from Girls Against Boys walk out and give this guy a hug. And I was like, what? 
<laughs> Who is this right. guy? Like, um, like awesome bike, rode his bike here, knows the guys in the band well enough to get a warm embrace upon arrival. And uh, later became friends with this guy. And it turns out um, he was actually like a roadie for Soulside. Uh-huh. So pre Girls Against Boys yeah. and, and these guys, you know, he was old messenger, um, you know, came from Vermont, rode bikes in the in New England, the East Coast, moved to California, stuck with bikes. And that was, you know, I mean, obviously it made sort of an indelible impression just simply to see this guy riding his bike to the venue right. and knowing like, I want to like, I want to be, I want to be a part right. of that. I want to, I want to know this guy. I want to be, I wish that I was on my bike because now I feel like a total dick. <laughs> right. Can't believe we drove your <laughs> shit. <laughs> what, a, what assholes. Yeah. yeah. But when you get in the Bay area too, the train system shuts down at, um, 12 or 1230 or yeah, one or Boston. something. So basically you're, you're fucked if you miss the last train or you get on the last train and you fall asleep and you wake up uh, at the end of the line, which I've done a number of times before Uber. Uh, and then you sleep, you sleep in a ditch with your bike <laughs> locked to your ankle, <laughs> uh, which I've done before, or you pay, you know, $75 for a cab. Well, there's or... a lot of not magic in all of those outcomes. <laughs> <laughs> right we're romanticizing we're romanticizing this whole concept yeah. uh but also talk we need to uh discuss the reality at least at the time where you, if you did ride your bike someplace and you got super duper stranded you had to pay the price for that yeah. too yeah i've definitely ridden my bike to places and been there too late or the weather's turned or whatever and i've i've paid like the cycling price where like you go see a band and like in the three hours or four hours you're in the club oh now it's pouring down rain or it's snowing in boston uh yeah and then you have to like slog your way back across town and to get to the the good the good clubs in boston from where i live so i lived uh back then in alston which is people call alston rock city and there's because all the bands live there. I mean, all everyone lives there. It's a stupid thing. But um, then the, the good bars, at least for me, were in uh, Cambridge. And you have to ride through this sort of like uh, urban decay expanse where like the rail yards cross the highway and whatever. So that's OK on like a nice midsummer night. But if it's snowing and dark and shitty, it's pretty you're definitely and your dues there but that's that's fine the other the other thing i wanted to mention is that back in the day then i would like i would go see a band on a saturday night and come back and whatever and then on like the sunday i'd ride uh, boston's full of museums so i would like just take myself to the museum and just spend a couple hours just chilling and you know in the quiet and and being able to do that independently like go to a museum and see some art and i don't know it was very, it was a very enriching time you know from like seeing great bands to seeing great art and um just the bike do you do that still i mean obviously since the shutdown nobody really does anything but you know, this is still an important component of your existence yeah. to do these things. Yeah. I don't want this to be the, uh, yeah, two old guys talk about their salad days podcast. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. Back in the day, back when I was young, <laughs> virile, handsome, I had money. Yeah. 
a bright future. We're still very yeah, handsome, old. you and I. We've covered this. Thank yeah. you. I, not that anybody knows. The, we, we, as far as anybody who, the five people who are listening yeah. to this, uh, no, we are incredibly good well, looking. The expression is a real face for radio. I've been told yeah, that before. Yeah, yeah. So what's, uh, what are you going to do like now that things are kind of opening up? You have done some fun urban rides. You've been able to see some friends and explore parts of your city and people's backyards that you haven't previously. <laughs> like, are you going to jump back into your previously known schedule? No, I mean, you've not. got a, you got jobs and families and kids and preschool graduations and <laughs> recitals, and you have a super full plate, but. You know, what What do you allow uh, for yourself in terms of these sorts of adventures now? I mean, I'm very fortunate, you know, pre-pandemic, I had an office job. Uh, my office job, I left it. Um, and so I'm, I'm quote unquote, a consultant, which means I make my own hours. And I when I do work, I do it from home. Um, but I, I get in the woods pretty much every day. Okay. I mean, my lifestyle is pretty much like where am I? What woods am I going to get in today? I have to write about things. So I, my ideal is always go be in the woods or, or some variation on that, and then come home and write. Yeah, it's it's a a little bit of a it's a little bit of a you're almost forced into doing fun things for yourself. And, and I know that, um, I know that that sounds silly. That's not exactly how I meant to put it. Let me try this again. Um, because this is sort of your, your being outside is sort of your muse right. or your, um, inspiration or whatever. Yeah. It's kind of the foundation or the lifeblood of what you do for a living and how you maintain your sanity, but also, you sometimes one sometimes gets to a point where you just you just can't and like you, you maybe you're out of gas yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, you're yeah, tired yeah, yeah. or whatever but you you know it always feels better to allow a little bit extra time and allow a little bit extra flexibility and go find some elbow room and go expand your lungs a little bit yeah um and i think you know you and i are sort of in a similar situation where it's almost it's almost like having fun has become a part of the job. Absolutely. You know, yeah, there's no, like, there's no work without the fun. There's no work without the woods. There's no work without the bike. Right. Right. And I'm not focused on yeah. I'm doing this ride or I'm doing that ride. I kind of show up where people ask me to show up. And sometimes I go out on my own because I like that. But it doesn't matter. Do you ever feel like you you go out, you're going out and doing a ride, or you're going out, you're being on your bike almost because you're sort of obligated to? I don't. I only feel obligated to myself. Like some, I burn out like everybody burns out on yeah. everything, right? You can only press the, the little food pellet bar so many times as the rat in the maze before you... <laughs> You give up on trying to solve the maze. But um, my point is that the answer is always out there for me. Even if I don't feel like going, I'm obligated to myself to go out 
and maybe I just have to do it differently, right? Like some days, like this morning, we kind of raged through the woods and that was fun to ride fast with friends and whatever. And some days I just have to go and sort of like poke around slowly. So if I burn yeah. out, it's not because the bike or the woods or however I go there and whatever I do there is is wrong. It's just like maybe I just need to do it differently today because the answer is there. <laughs> That's a good it's a good perspective. Um, definitely, uh, I, de- I definitely needed to, I definitely needed to hear that because there are some days, you know, and there have been a few lately where I feel spread too thin in too many different directions. Right. Um, whether it's, you know, it's family. I, I feel like I have to go see my parents. I feel like, cause I, cause I live super close to them now for the first time. Yeah. And, over 30 years and so i have access to them and i i want to see them but i also need to rest you know i need to be i need to not do anything i think that's an important that's an important thing for me personally to remember that it's okay to not do anything i constantly am feeling obligated to i have to do this because this is my job or i have to paint because that's who i am or i have to ride because that's my identity or i have to ride a skateboard or i have to you know, instead of like, no, it's it's okay to fucking sit and not do anything and be quiet and yeah, not. I mean, honestly, like, not just sit, not read, not draw, yeah, not do anything. And that I I feel like if and then not feel guilty. That's I can sit and not do anything. That's easy, but it, to not feel guilty about it, that's where I'm kind of struggling a little bit these days. As a as a writer. I spend not that much time with my fingers on the keyboard. Like when I write, and this may show in my, in my, in my writing, but when I write, it all goes very quickly. And then maybe I do an edit or two, or I ask someone, hey, does this suck? Uh, and they're like, yeah, but not as bad as the last one. So, okay, I'll take that. But um, the reason that I can spend, you know, not that much time with my fingers on the keyboard is because I spend time staring in space or I'm I'm like sometimes I'm riding in my head when I'm on the bike or I ride the bike to a place and I sit down and I just you know I don't want to get goofy on you but like listen to the trees and like just the things moving and try to like get my head straight because I'm I'm, you know, I'm sort of introverted. I, I, I really need that like downtime and away time. Um, I like to ride with friends, but I like to ride alone a lot too. I like to just, you know, be able to think my own thoughts and that feeds my work. It's part of it. It's just part of it. Right. I'm also not a total. Asshole it's not doing it. If I don't. <laughs> not doing it is equally important to doing yeah. it which seems contradictory and is some sort of weird sort of Buddhist type of perspective. Like not writing is as important as right to writing as writing or not writing is as important to writing as writing, yeah. you know, it's like um, painting any of it. All the shit has to ferment it takes time to mm-hmm. ferment. You, you don't, you can't like, if I was a real go getter, I couldn't just sit down, like wake up in the morning, pound a cup of coffee and sit in front of the keyboard and make something worthwhile. That, that doesn't, it doesn't work that way. I think the creative, I mean, the obvious, the only two things that I know really are like cycling and, and art stuff, you know, and 
like the the ship sailed on me as as like me as a skateboarder a long time ago i love riding skateboards i love riding skateboards more now than i did when i was a kid like because i don't have anything to prove anymore right you know like the fact that i can still do it is is awesome and i love it and i love my friends that i do it with uh but cycling is funny because i still have this like I got to I got to constantly do it because I need to be good enough. Like I'm proving wow. something to myself or I'm proving to something to people around me. And it's not constant. It's not all the time. Like I can go monkey around in the woods and not, you know, but it, it's, it's, um, it's, uh, because you're surrounded again, like I said, like, you know, when you're surrounded by people who are really good at right. it or constantly surrounded by people who are constantly doing it, like, how do I measure up? I got to, you know, I don't want to suck. I don't want to be like off the back in every single right. ride, but it's maybe it's not that much fun to maintain the level of fitness that you need to maintain to not be off the back. And then it's just this big snake eating its own I tail. I think that's right. I think you got to, it's one of those things where you have to give up in order to move forward. Well, I got the giving up <laughs> part down. I'm pretty... You also need slower friends. You should come ride with me. <laughs> I know we're 3,000 <laughs> miles apart, but <laughs> you want to feel good about yourself and have a good time. Uh, hey, let's ride. I, I got to a point. It was, I think my, my wrists are not very good. My wrists are actually pretty fucked mm. up. Some days I have, you know, some days I have really good days and some days I have not very good days where everything hurts yeah. or everything feels fine. And it's no, there's no rhyme or reason to it. So I don't know, like fitness wise, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm either good or I'm not good, but I, that never really matters one way or the other, but it's always like how my upper body feels and how my wrists feel. Yeah. And what if I go on a ride and I meet a bunch of people and I'm on a big group ride and my wrists feel like shit. And then I'm concentrating on the pain in my wrists and not concentrating on riding. And then I look like a total schlub. So for years, I've ridden exclusively by myself. And in the last three months, I've probably ridden with people more in the last three months than I have in the last uh, 12 years, maybe, or more. Like, that always keeps the bar set at exactly the, the middle. Yeah. Which is... You don't have anything to compare it to. If you're not feeling good, you can ride slow and clumsily. And if you're feeling good, you can tear your own legs off. Yeah. I mean, I it's, at my uh, age, and I ride mostly with people who are five, five or ten years younger than I am, kind of in that range. And uh, you know, that sounds a rough. lot of days I suck, and my body hurts all the time. For you, our younger listeners. It's coming for you. It's coming for you. Your sins are all stored in your connective tissue. That's the truth, man. Start doing yoga now. Yeah. Yesterday. Like if I could tell my younger self anything, I would say start doing yoga and stick with it and maybe take salsa dancing classes. Yeah. Just as a just in a, as an extra Zumba. Um, <laughs> you should. No, nah, I wouldn't go. I would go that far. <laughs> I just no, like the visual shenanigans. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. To take care, take care of your, take care, take of, your care body. of your body. But you know what? Do, actually, what I will t- say I, in all seriousness, what I would say is never stop. Never you burned out. I don't care. Find a different way to ride. Uh, you feel bad. That's okay. Just go. It doesn't matter. Do something different on it, with it, whatever. Because the answer is always out there. It's never in in my room between my ears. It's never there. I'm never like, oh. Kind of, it's in, that kind of contradicts what we were just saying. But, because um, <laughs> you know, saying that riding, not riding is as important as riding. Well, it is. But sometimes but, you can r- not ride while riding is what my point is. Like someday, you know, it's not the... It's, if you define riding as like raging in whatever way you rage with your friends or on your own, like whatever little torture program you've devised for yourself, you don't have to do that. I can literally ride a mile from my house to some woods and like get off my bike and sit down and make a pot of like jet boil coffee. And that's an answer to the question that doesn't really require riding. That's good. That's good. I I think I needed this conversation today because I definitely I rode with some friends. um, Gosh, I guess last week, and I just felt like such absolute hot trash, you know. And so that makes you that puts you in this weird headspace where you're like, I don't want to. You're only as good, you know, the saying, you're only as good as your last fight, you know? So, so this entire week, there's been this low grade. I don't want to, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to feel like shit. I don't want to, you know, so, and and it's just like pedaling around is, is fine, but going out and, uh, at nothing, everything doesn't have to be some fucking epic adventure. And that's where I kind of get tripped up that. I feel like I'm not maximizing my time. Yeah, I'm I'm against uh, maximization and I'm against optimization. I don't want to train myself. I don't want to I don't want to spend a lot of energy like making sure every calorie I put in my face is the right calorie or that every time I ride my bike I'm doing it to maximize like I know people who only ride with heart rate monitors. I personally have no interest in that. Like if I'm not enjoying myself, I'm too old to care, right? I'm not old yet, but I'm too old to care about any of that garbage. I just have to do the stuff that lights me up. And if it doesn't light me up, who cares? And I'll tell you, like most of the time I can find, you know, something good in the woods on the bike, even if I'm not doing whatever it is people think cycling is (laughs) that's that's yep yep i agree it's a good point i gotta uh i gotta have a like this has been this sort of little come to jesus meeting that i wasn't intending to have with myself but uh have had it through today's episode i'm glad we could do this together uh, i know i think uh my brain is changing right now we haven't really talked about this um but uh, I have been doing a thing called uh, biofeedback where you basically get these like gamma rays shot into your brain and it changes the neural pathways and changes your processing and your perspective and your thinking and 
um, and working really hard at schluffing away the things or my responses that I don't need. Yeah. And trying to establish some new ones that I do need. And if there's anything that might come out of uh, this uh, podcast in terms of my own journey, it's that I have been working really hard on undoing uh, a deep-seated degree of self-loathing mm. that I've had for years. I mean, since pre-teens. And, uh, and, and how that relates to bike riding is um abusing abusing myself with a bike yeah and uh trying to undo a lot of old patterns yeah the bike can be like another canvas for failure if you really are bent on failure and sometimes you know when you define i do i've done it a hundred times like this is what i need to be able to do on a bike in order to feel okay about myself it's it's horseshit you know, yeah. like it's like you're, ch you're chasing yourself and you're also being chased by yourself. Yeah. yeah. Um, maybe that's not such as it didn't. It sounded more profound <laughs> in, in my head. But that's that's the image that that comes to me yeah. right then. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you, you, you throw a leg over and you're like, let me show you how shitty I am to myself. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, people are always talking about the, the pain cave this and the pain cave that and and taking yourself, you know, beating up on yourself on a bike or taking it out on yourself or whatever. And I can't I can't do that anymore. But I'm also trying to figure out who I am if I'm not that guy. Yeah, I'm not that person. Who am I? Uh, so it's you know, this is all this is all super transitional. I did ask sort of rhetorically at one point on Twitter, like how many people ride just 100 percent for pleasure? You don't go out yeah. just to fuck yourself up. Yeah. And a majority of the people that that responded uh, agreed with me. Yeah, that that I, I do do this. You know, there is some masochistic component, whether it's 50 percent or 40 percent or 30 percent or or a higher percentage and just a couple of people said no i just love the experience i love watching my legs go and my feet go in circles and i love propelling myself forward and it's just poetic and it's beautiful and it's peaceful <laughs> and it's good for my body and it's good for my brain and it's like wow fuck what a concept like i want more of that yeah. i'm closer to that i definitely can go out and fuck myself up for you know for the catharsis or for whatever that is which isn't necessarily pleasurable but like this morning i met up with friends we rode pretty hard but it was fun you know you're just just raging around in the woods there's no point to it yeah there's no mileage goal there's no speed goal there's no whatever you know ride bikes talk shit try not to fall off if you fall off hope you can laugh you know that's it <laughs> Uh, Tuck and yeah, roll. It's really the uh, cycling version of eat, pray, love. I should write it up. I should, <laughs> I should <laughs> make some cut out wood tchotchkes that you can put all yeah. over your house. Yeah. Paint yeah. them white. Make them smell like potpourri. Right. I'm, I'm going to monetize uh, my shit. 
Yeah. Hey, man, it's it's a open open economy now. You you can reinvent yourself any way you want. You want to be the the new Martha yeah. Stewart? I'm a goddamn Etsy store. I'm not a human being. I'm a fucking Etsy store. <laughs> Uh, well, we did yeah, it again. We blew Robot. right through we, our we, self-imposed deadlines or, or time limits. That was an hour-ish, hour and change, yeah. and uh, we didn't solve any worlds of the world's problems. Yeah. And uh, but but maybe maybe we solved some for ourselves or somebody yeah. else. I mean, no one's listening anyway, so <laughs> this is for you and me. We don't know. We don't know. That's we right. don't know that somebody might be. Um, well, as always, thank you for your time. Yes. What do you got? Yeah. You look like you're about to say I was just going to say thanks. If anyone is listening, thanks for your time. Um, subscribe to this. I think you can subscribe. Uh, um, send us questions. Um, Stevel at cyclingindependent.com or robot at cyclingindependent.com. And uh, tune in next yes. episode when we'll be Whenever the next one is the same number of solutions to your problems that we offer today. We, uh, you know, we're open to if, if, cause this is just basically like a couple of people riffing off of each other. And, um, we've got some of the phone conversations we've had. I think the initial phone conversation we had was, was pretty great. Cause we covered a lot of topics and I had at that point, I think I'd been shut in my house for like three days and had been listening to, one record on repeat the entire time I was in this sort of like spy, not necessarily a spiral, but I was, I was definitely in a, in a spot of like self-isolation and self-reflection. And we covered a lot of, um, uh, we covered a lot of just, you know, almost th- it was like a therapy session. Um, but if, you know, if folks want to, uh, maybe not even questions, maybe like entire topics or, or, uh, their own stories or their own perspectives or their own strengths or weaknesses, fears, hopes, dreams, plans, schemes, whatever, uh, send them in and, and, you know, we'll try to tie those into any of this mumbo jumbo that we contemplate them real hard. That's what we do. We're not good at much, but we can contemplate yeah. the shit out of some stuff. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, as always, thanks, buddy. And if uh, if you like the music at the beginning and the end, it's Who Rides the Tiger. I've got some records that I can send you. Uh, com, And there's a little tab for a store, and I got the records in there. Uh, otherwise, till next time. God bless. Bo- till next time. God bless. Yeah.